You are tuned to KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. Tuesday, May 17th. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. The California report weighs Governor Gavin Newsom's budget proposal against objections from the Legislative Analyst's Office and from economists who question whether it will just make inflation even worse. California News Service reports on a classic water rights struggle pitting Inyo County against Los Angeles. After regional news and weather, Felton Pruitt has the details on a new tool in Nevada County's Emergency Planning Toolkit. And Mark Cuneberti is here with Money Matters. This is the California Report. I'm Kate Wolf in San Francisco. California's nonpartisan legislative analyst's office says the state could be headed toward a fiscal cliff, despite a record-breaking budget surplus. Governor Gavin Newsom announced a $97.5 billion surplus on Friday when he unveiled his revised state budget. But in a report released yesterday, the LAO says the proposed budget would leave the state more than $3 billion over a constitutional limit on spending this year more than $20 million over that limit next year. The Legislative Analyst's Office is strongly urging lawmakers to put more money into savings, but the Newsom administration says many of the programs funded in the spending plan don't require recurring funding. KQED politics reporter Guy Marzorati says, while Newsom argues the new budget proposal will provide direct relief to California residents dealing with rising prices, some wonder if pumping more money into the economy could make inflation even worse. Newsom says the centerpiece of the revised budget plan he unveiled on Friday is aimed at lowering costs. High inflation, record inflation, at least in our lifetimes, the challenges and burdens associated with costs across the spectrum. What are we going to do to ease that stress, ease that burden? Newsom's answer is sending $400 debit cards to vehicle owners. And Democrats in the legislature want to do something similar, with smaller checks targeted towards low-income residents. The problem, says James Wilcox, professor at Berkeley's Haas School of Business, is that rising prices are due in part to huge consumer demand. And the governor is now proposing to provide another $18 billion to Californians so that they can spend it. Wilcox says the relief checks will provide tangible benefits to residents, but... This is just going to boost demand further. Newsom says rising costs are factoring into the state's spending plans in future years, but for now... Offsetting the cost burden in this state to millions of working families, I think, is wise because of those inflationary burdens. And no, I do not believe in the macro it will have a significant impact. The governor and the legislature will now negotiate a final spending plan ahead of a June 15th deadline. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzarati. Support for the California Report comes from Paint Care. Now with 834 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. Stanford Healthcare, alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area. Now's the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. 
Last month, two Fresno council members announced a new pilot program that would equip street vendors' carts with cameras. This effort comes a year after the murder of street vendor Lorenzo Perez. KVPR's Madi Bolaños caught up with two vendors to see if they feel safer on city streets. Miguel Ruiz is scraping ice to make a raspado or snow cone from the ice chest on his cart. It's a Friday afternoon and students at Lane Elementary School in southeast Fresno are getting out of class. A young boy asks Ruiz for two snow cones. Which ones, he asks. Vanilla, the boy says. Nearly 30 years ago, Ruiz arrived in Fresno from Guadalajara, Jalisco in Mexico. He worked in the fields for 10 years before giving street vending a shot. When he first started selling, he said it was rough. The first years were difficult because there was so much violence, robberies and insults, he says. People would throw things at him as he pedaled through the streets. He says the harassment lightened up for him over the years, but street vendors in Fresno have remained especially vulnerable. What he never expected was to hear another street vendor, Lorenzo Perez, murdered in the same neighborhood he works in. Ruiz says he never takes a day off. But after hearing the news, he took an entire week to process his co-worker's death. It could have been him, he says. Soon after, Fresno City Council members reached out to him and a few other vendors to start the Fresno Mobile Food Vendor Association. Council member Miguel Arias says it's meant to help vendors file business taxes or apply for business licenses. Now, Arias and Council member Luis Chavez are testing out a pilot program that will attach Rubik's Cube sized cameras onto street vendor carts. Ruiz says both the business license and the cameras make him feel safer. He feels like that's helped too. People don't try to rob him because they see the camera and it does work, he says. Right now, 20 street vendors are trying out the new cameras. Arias says the goal is to equip all 200 vendors in the city of Fresno through funding from the Small Business Initiative. These are by far the most vulnerable retail vendors that we have in the city, and they're simply trying to survive and provide for their families. So that's why it's critical that we protect their safety and ensure that they can engage in the, you know, economy. Just two blocks north of Lane Elementary, Armando Franco's cart sits outside a residential home. He's slicing corn and placing the kernels into a cup with mayonnaise, cheese, and some peppered chile. In the 13 years he's worked as a street vendor, he says he's been attacked and robbed more times than he can remember. But since the camera was installed in his cart, he says it's already stopped a group of men from robbing him. He heard them talking amongst themselves in English. They were planning to punch him and then run with the food, he says. But then he heard them say they saw the camera. But despite this incident, Franco says he doesn't think the camera is all that useful. City council members told him it's recording. But for him, it's not working because it has to be able to connect to a phone with Internet. He says he'd feel safer if the camera came with an alarm that could alert the police of an assault or robbery. In the meantime, Franco says he now carries pepper spray and a taser to defend himself.
For the California Report, I'm Madi Bolaños in Fresno. And that's the California Report for Tuesday, May 17th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Kate Wolf. Thanks for listening. It's a California tradition of long standing, the struggle over water usage that pits powerful, populated Los Angeles against the Eastern Sierra's rural wildlife, ranching, and tourism. California News Service says a ruling in a four year old lawsuit could decide the fate of some Mono County meadowlands. Conservation groups are speaking out in support of water rights in rural Mono County, saying thirsty Los Angeles is endangering wildlife, ranching, and tourism. All parties are awaiting the judge's decision after a recent hearing where the LADWP argued that it has the right to cut off water that ranchers use to irrigate Long Valley and Little Round Valley for cattle grazing near the Crowley Lake Reservoir. Wendy Schneider with Friends of the Inyo says the DWP bought up water rights 100 years ago, but the Eastern Sierra is getting the short end of the stick. We want people to have water to drink and to cook with and to bathe in. But when our ecosystem is being devastated so that we can do landscaping for non-native thirsty plants down south, that does not make sense. The drought, exacerbated by climate change, has forced big changes in that regard. Last week, the LADWP ordered cuts on outdoor watering from three days a week to two. The Sierra Club and Mono County filed the lawsuit in 2018 when the cutbacks were first announced. They argue that the green meadow in Long Valley supports the sage-grouse and fish populations, which boosts tourism as well. Schneider wants to see LADWP expand a program in Burbank that captures stormwater instead of letting it flow into the ocean. I think we can get to a place where the Eastern Sierra is still supplying some water to supplement, but there will be much less reliance on it. We need more of our water up here, not less of it, and we need Los Angeles to help us. Advocates would also like to see a large expansion of programs to recycle water in the Southland. For California News Service, I'm Suzanne Potter. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. In regional news, this afternoon, the Nevada County Department of Public Health reported 96 new confirmed COVID-19 cases since the last report on Friday. 105 cases are active. Two people are hospitalized, none in the intensive care unit. The Sacramento Bee reports a dramatic story today about a dog that was badly wounded Monday while fighting off a mountain lion that attacked its owner. Captain Patrick Foy of the State Department of Fish and Wildlife told the bee, I think it's safe to assume that dog probably saved her life. The attack happened at about 3 p.m. Monday in a remote area along Highway 299 in the Big Bar area of Trinity County. The woman, whose name was not released, had pulled off the highway for a walk along the Trinity River with her dog, a Belgian Malinois. The mountain lion pounced on the woman from behind. The dog heard her screams and engaged with the cougar in what Foy called a pretty vicious fight. The dog owner flagged down a driver and the two of them fought off the lion, which released the dog. She took her dog to a vet and, according to Foy, it is not yet out of the woods. The woman's injuries were not life-threatening. Turning to regional weather, one week ago it was pea-sized hail and thunderstorms. This week, hot and sunny days are ahead. The National Weather Service in Sacramento has issued a fire weather watch for Thursday morning to Friday evening. 
Gusty north and east winds will increase Thursday morning and peak Thursday night into early Friday afternoon. The strongest winds will be over the western Sacramento Valley and the coastal range foothills, bringing critical fire weather conditions to the region. This evening in Nevada City and Grass Valley, mostly clear with a low of 56. Wednesday will be sunny with a high in the mid-80s. Wednesday night will be mostly clear with a low around 57 and winds of up to 10 miles per hour. Tonight in Truckee and Lake Tahoe will be mostly clear with a low around 42. Wednesday will be sunny with a high near 76. Wednesday evening in Truckee Tahoe will be mostly clear with a low in the mid-40s. West winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour will become light and variable Wednesday evening. This evening in Sacramento and Woodland will be mostly clear with a low around 58. Wednesday will be sunny and hot with a high near 98. Light winds will increase to 9 to 14 miles per hour Wednesday morning with gusts as high as 22 miles per hour. Wednesday night will be mostly clear with a low around 68 and north-northwest winds of 9 to 14 miles per hour with gusts of up to 20 miles per hour. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Just as fire season is bearing down on us, Nevada County has acquired a new tool in its emergency planning toolkit. The technology lets you plan ahead by simulating evacuation scenarios in case of wildfire or other incidents. KVMR's Felton Pruitt gets the scoop from the Office of Emergency Services. We're talking with Lieutenant Sean Scales. He's the Emergency Operations Coordinator for the Office of Emergency Services here in Nevada County. And you're going to talk to us about Ladris Pre-Planner Tool, which sounds kind of funky, but I'll bet it's really important. Yeah, so... Ladris is a local software vendor that uh, we've been working with over the past several months to come up with a evacuation pre-planning tool. And basically what it does is it takes data from a variety of sources, both county sources such as parcel and census information, but also outside sources regarding roads and traffic conditions and things like that. And residents can type in their address and then they can type in a destination. And what it will do is it will show a bunch of different evacuation routes that a person can take. And in addition, it will show how long it could possibly take to evacuate from that area. So what residents will see is that the longer you take to evacuate, the more people are evacuating, hence your evacuation time gets quite a bit longer. Right. Like we saw up in Lake Tahoe this past year when uh, folks were trying to get out of there and they were stuck on one road for quite a while. So That's something to think about to plan ahead with, and obviously this is a tool for that. Yeah, and it's currently available on our Ready Nevada County dashboard uh, under the tab Evacuation Route Pre-Planner. And, you know, we've seen it locally in fires that we've responded to. We've, you know, had evacuations for, such as the Lobo Fire or even the River Fire. There was an accident on Highway 49 uh, right around Combi Road there that had traffic stalled for a while in the middle of an evacuation. So let's say we have an incident happening where there's a fire someplace. Is this going to be updated so that you can pop in your address right away and know exactly what the current evacuation is for your area? Well, what's important to note about this tool is it's a pre-planner, so it is not designed to be used during an emergency. 
So it's not meant to use during an evacuation. During that, you can use a variety of different sources. Anybody who's got, you know, Google Maps or anything, any other software on their phones, any of their mapping apps that are out there can show you current traffic conditions based upon cell phone data. Okay, so I want to get my Ladris pre-planner tool all set up with my house. How do I go about that again? Yeah, so if you go to readynevadacounty.org, and then on that screen, you will see the Ready Nevada County dashboard. And that has all of the tools that we have at our disposal. It shows current evacuation incidents, live webcams of fires, burn day status, weather, air quality. And one of those tabs is the evacuation route pre-planner. You can just click on that and then follow that. It's a pretty user-friendly program. Just type in your address and then type in the destination you could be evacuating to, such as a high school or the fairgrounds or something like that. You could just pick anyone. The idea is that, you know, you get an idea of how long it would take to leave your area if you're in a, you know, densely populated area or even a sparsely populated area. It also shows you on the roads how slow traffic could be moving. We've been talking with Lieutenant Sean Scales, the Emergency Operations Coordinator for the Office of Emergency Services here in Nevada County. Is there anything else you want folks to know, Lieutenant Scales? Just uh, please take advantage of the tools that are out there for you. Now is the time to start doing these things. Doing it, you know, in the event of a fire is not when you want to do it. You want to do these things ahead of time. You can also print from this application as well. Once you get your route ironed out, you can actually print those directions and have them sit in your car. Actually, all of your cars, if you have multiple vehicles, and ready to go. Excellent. Thanks for all the information. All right. Take care. We end today's newscast with Money Matters. Mark Cuniberti fires up an extended metaphor from the world of drag racing as a tool to jumpstart your understanding of what the markets are trying to tell us. Welcome to another edition of Money Matters. My name is Mark Cuniberti. The markets stopped their seemingly weeks-long freefall on Friday, May 13th, and with green numbers across the board. I'm sure it was a welcome sight for many of investor. Not all stocks went up, mind you. I can't actually recall a day when every stock did go up, but certainly Friday was a welcome sea of green in an otherwise month or three of mostly red. Although no one can forecast market direction at any time with certainty, Mr. Market does speak to those analysts that are listening and know its language. It's a difficult thing to interpret Mr. Market's language, but serious students of the equity marketplace and those having the experience to have lived through many a correction and a rally can at least get a grip on the mood of Wall Street if they take the time to listen. When markets start to fall, certain things can occur that, when watched, lead the analysts to draw at least a few conclusions. When Wall Street's mood turns negative and stocks pull back, it is common to see certain sectors rise in a contrarian move to those stocks that are falling. Consumer staples, things like soap and the things that you have to buy, can rise. Food stocks can also move opposite to a falling market in a defensive move, and so can bonds and utility stocks. If a sell-off continues, the contagious mood of stock selling can begin to lead these same stocks to flatten out and eventually then fall in concert with the rest of the market. Basically, even though an initial sell-off can move some stocks up at first, the longer the sell-off, the more things tend to get sucked down the same black hole of a falling market. Think of it like a series of lights that are often seen at automobile drag races. 
called the Christmas tree. It has two rows of colored lights mounted vertically that illuminate in series, going from red to green, where green means both dragsters then floor it and begin the race. In stocks, invert the colors, and you have a warning system that goes from green to red. Green means all is well. Then as a crash progresses, more and more orange lights might illuminate until the final red ones do. Green means go and stocks are rising. Then the first orange light gets lit, meaning stocks are pulling back. Imagine another orange light illuminating. That may mean more money is moving to bonds, utilities, and staples. A continuing crash illuminates yet another orange light, which means gold might start to rise, while utilities, staples, and other contrarian stocks might stop their ascent. Another orange light, and these stocks now start to pull back as well, following the general market down. Moving further along the warning lights, market leaders like, let's say, an Apple or a Microsoft, which may have held up relatively well, being favorites of many an investor, they might finally break down as well. The final orange lights might light up when markets further accelerate downward with seemingly little support. The final red light on our financial Christmas tree of warning lights might occur when an all-out panic selling obliterates every stock in its path, also known as a capitulation event. The market is now yelling loud and clear, we are in a full-fledged crash mode, people, as if anyone wouldn't know it by then, right? Although there is no financial Christmas tree in real life, I do picture this tool when I review markets both on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis. I ask myself, how many lights are lit? How many signs are flashing? Is it getting worse or better? What stocks are moving up during the crash? And what sectors are they in? How fast are they moving? And is it accelerating? Barring an unexpected and out-of-the-blue event known as a black swan, such as things like 9-11, a tsunami, or major political event, the market's lingo may indeed be very difficult to understand. But considering education is the cornerstone of progress, the more you know about the markets, the better listener you will be, and hopefully a bit more tuned in to what the market is trying to tell you. That does it for today's Money Matters. Today's newscast expresses my opinion only and is not meant as investment advice, nor represents the opinion of any bank, investment firm, or RIA, nor this radio station, its staff, members, or underwriters. I hold a Bachelor of Arts in Economics with honors, 1979 from San Diego State University, and hold California Insurance License OL34249. Our website is moneymanagementradio.com, where everything is free. Our way of saying thank you for listening to your community radio station. My name's Mark Cunaberti. That's our newscast. KVMR Community Radio gets support from Nevada County Registrar of Voters, informing registered voters that ballots should have arrived by mail. Information to request a replacement ballot at 530-265-1298, mynevadacounty.com slash elections. And MEC Builds, Nevada County roofing contractor with over 20 years of experience providing complete roofing services, gutter products, sun tunnels, and skylights. MEC Showroom is at 316 Colfax Avenue, Grass Valley, mecbuilds.com.
The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza and airs every weekday at 6 p.m. This is Joyce Miller signing off. Join us Wednesday evening for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.